This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is my interview with the director and writer for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, Jeff Rowe. Let's try that again, but with Ninja Stars. <gasps> hey, why do we pick a fruit shaped exactly like my head? Just stop talking, you're ruining my concentration. You're fine, chill. He's gonna die. Yeah. Ah. Did you hear that? What was that? Well, nothing we can do. You guys want to grab pizza? Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Next Best Picture podcast, where I am being joined right now by the director of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, Jeff Rowe. Jeff, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me about this awesome animated film that has captured everyone's imagination uh since it released this summer uh this is one of the films that a lot of people have been talking about for quite some time in the lead up to its release because obviously teenage mutant ninja turtles has such a built-in following but also too uh you've been making some waves in the world of animation co-writing and working on uh the mitchells versus the machines and bringing some of what you've learned from that project over to this so it's been really cool the last couple of weeks to see. How how have you been feeling since it released and came out into the world? Uh, it's, it's been a whirlwind. It's uh, it's hard. I'm finally, uh, I think, at, at, at peace with it now and uh, proud to have seen what it's meant to people and see uh, uh, how much it's influenced and excited artists. And it's uh, it's just really... You know, we worked in a vacuum for so long, like thinking what we were doing was cool, hoping people would like it. And then to see it be uh, uh, validated is uh, uh, has been really rewarding. Now, you also worked on the story, the screenplay, working alongside uh, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, uh, Brendan O'Brien, uh, amongst others here. I mean, there's a lot of names attached to this. and it's Dan and Benji, gone- yeah. Right, yeah, it's it's gone through a lot. Uh, I'm sure, a lot, probably a lot of revisions. Then when you bring the cast in and they've got their own dynamic, then they're adding their own bits and pieces to it because this movie just has like such a degree of naturalism in those uh, voiceover performances. Uh, those kids are really riffing on each other, acting like real teenagers. So I imagine they also too brought their own. Uh, personalities and pieces to it as well. So, like, can you just tell me a little bit about the constant yeah. process of like rewriting as you went along? It was we we realized very quickly the first time we recorded all of the the kids together that they have to we just have to throw out the script and rewrite it and let it uh, 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 
let them, for, for us as filmmakers, it became about capturing their natural state and who they are and capturing like a really authentic performance instead of trying to like uh, manipulate it or push it to be something that felt authentic to me and Seth. It, it, it really had to be, it really had to come from them, I think, to feel as as grounded and uh, kind of kinetic and and alive as it does. And I think uh, something people have really responded to is their relationship. Like I get a lot of comments like, oh, they feel like real brothers, the way they talk over each other. Like it reminds me of my family. Like it's a really yeah. well-observed family dynamic. And, and that just came from this process of letting the tape roll, letting them talk, encouraging them to, if they couldn't, if a line didn't feel natural to them, say it in their own way and uh 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 i'm really happy with the result yeah no definitely i i would agree with that as well so i want to know because there's so many different pop culture references in this uh film what is the one reference or line that you are most proud of that you fought to get in there and it found its way in there still oh i mean that's that's a great question there's so many uh i like them talking about uh, uh adele on the rooftop uh one one of the the kids uh brady noon just loves drake and was so happy and excited to bring up drake every chance that he could the ice cubes john legend joke is very funny uh, yes. <laughs> to me uh there's there's so many there's there's so many. It's it's hard to it's it's I've been away from it for a minute, so it's hard for me to pick one. Do you have a favorite? Honestly, I, I <laughs> there's so many in it that it's like kind of hard for me to choose. Um and and to be to be t- totally transparent, I've only seen the film once. Uh so it's not as fresh on my mind. Uh yeah. but I, I remember it pretty vividly still, and I do plan on rewatching it uh very soon because I, I go through an annual rewatch every year of uh, some of my favorite films uh of, from the year, and yours is definitely one of them. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah, totally. I, I wanna know too, just from like an animation standpoint, because so many people uh are talking about how this new wave of animated films that we've gotten over the last couple of years that blend uh, computer animation with 2D as well, like has really reinvigorated the the medium of uh, animation. And so I want to know from your perspective, what techniques were you guys specifically working with to make Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem stand out? We, we, we really wanted it to be undeniably uh, uh, visually unique. Like every frame, like any person with any amount of film knowledge could like walk into a theater, see a frame of it and say like, wow, this looks like nothing I've, I've, I've ever seen before. So, so it was really important to us to give it its own unique visual style, uh, something that is expressive and uh, joyful and undiluted by the animation pipeline because normally you'll you'll see all of this great concept artwork for films and then as it gets turned into cg models and lit and animated things get rounded off and and uh uh kind of pushed towards the middle and and uh with us we just we we had this like we had this like very impassioned reaction to the homogenization of the last 30 years of 
the way animated films look. And we wanted it to feel like you could see the hand of the artists in it. We wanted it to look specifically like it was drawn by its teenage protagonists uh, okay. and had that like rebellious, exciting uh, uh, energy. The, the kind of drawings you can only do when you're like 15 years old and you don't yeah. have that like the voice in your head that that says, hey, that's not how you draw. Like you're just free and, and liberated and uh, putting your entire soul out there into into a drawing. And that's that's the well of inspiration we were we were pulling from. Uh, and then also just trying to be really sophisticated and cinematic with the lighting and the color and the contrast and looking looking at a lot of like really really kind of um treasures of 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 world cinema and it's like this mix of uh this really kind of like pretentious highbrow film taste and uh and just like joyful teenage uh uh expression can you tell me any of those cinematic influences that uh found its way into the film for you Totally, like Chungking Express and the way yeah. like Wong Kar Wai uses lighting was 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 huge. Uh, Tokyo Drifter, Seijin Suzuki. We we looked a lot at um, Huaran films and the way that he uses one takes. Uh, th- there's a lot of like one take cinematography. Oh yeah, God. I know. I was gonna say the spatial movement in this, and I I know it's not a real camera necessarily, but still it gives off the impression that there is one within this 3D space and that that really stood out to me when I was watching this. Yeah, we we thought a lot about the blocking and and, and the intent was we wanted the audience to feel we don't have a main character. The main character is, is four characters, so we really need to invite the audience to be a fly on the wall to their their banter and feel like they're part of it and witnessing no, it no pun intended and yeah 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 yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's like uh we didn't cut a lot and we didn't use camera blocking that emphasized one character over or over the other we kind of just let it play out in these long wides where they're just talking and uh uh and i think it it's effective in making you feel like you're hanging out with them, uh, which and all of that in the front half of the movie buys us a lot of goodwill and, and investment in the characters for the uh, for the back half. I feel like the hangout movie in general is so underrated and like Richard Linklater does it very well. But I, I don't see yeah. many filmmakers making that kind of a movie. That's just a film you can put on and easily relax and feel like you're at ease with these characters and it's like yeah to your point like being around friends or family essentially yeah have you seen california split the uh altman film it's <sighs> that's one of the altman films i have not watched but is on my watch list yeah it's great it's just like one of the all-time great banter films it's just like elliot gould being charming and just like <sighs> people talking and it's like i love that uh, mm-hmm. I want to bring more of that to uh, to, to animation uh, well, because well, the, it's uh, so... Altman, the Altman overlapping dialogue definitely uh, shines its way through in this movie, that's for sure. Uh, yeah. but in a good way. In a good way. I laughed my ass off while watching this movie. It was oh, really funny you. throughout. <laughs> uh, I need to know, like, Greg Leviton, your editor yes. on this movie. This is something that I think is very interesting because it's not often brought up. But here you've got action, you've got comedy, and you also, like you said, are dealing with certain shots that go on for a long time. Tell me what an editor's role in animation. I think a lot of people don't understand 
how different it is from working in live action. Can you like give us like a bit of a preview into what considerations need to be paid towards uh, yeah. editing animation and then specifically with this film? I mean, for, 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 for me and Greg, like this is we, the amount of editing, just like a sheer volume of like hours spent in edit on this film is I you feel like has to be some kind of record, but the all, all the overlapping dialogue, all that all that wonderful stuff you were just talking about that feels so natural was a result of having these records, like eight hour sessions, long, rambling things, and just like me and Greg listening to them together, combing through it, finding little nuggets, finding like kind of re rewriting in the record and then rewriting again in uh, 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 in the edit bay. And um, and you're working with storyboards when you're doing this process, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some and sometimes sometimes we would have a script and we would have storyboards. But because we changed the script in the record, the storyboards don't work anymore. So we're just building a radio play and we have to like then scramble to come up with the new storyboards. Or sometimes we have to scramble to find little snippets of dialogue that fit the boards that that, that we do have. Uh, and it was just like a very slow, methodical, considered uh, process that ended up yielding something that felt very off the cuff and 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 naturalistic. But but like you know when you guys are doing that process, um, it's not like you can toss it over to the animators and say, hey, give us a longer shot than what we need because we might have to whittle this down. It, like, it needs to be, I imagine, timed precisely before it goes to any of the animators, right? Yeah, yeah. But but, but that's the thing, too. And, and Greg's a little different in that way. And it was a process that we had that, that worked really well for us where it's like we would get final shots back and Greg would uh, 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 say... Timing doesn't work here. It doesn't cut, you know, like the chop shop fight has a lot of quick cutting and things that need to work very precisely. And he would pull frames out of things. And then we would send it back to our vendors at Micros and tweak the animation. Uh, and it, it, it was a lot more collaborative and iterative than I think normally happens in a, in an animation pipeline. But Greg has such a good uh, sense of timing and, and, flow between shots uh it, it was really necessary and i think keeps things punchy and and uh, maintains that kind of live action feel yeah when you need mealtime inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over thirty thousand mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over six hundred dollars each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply can you talk to me a bit about uh, Seth Rogen, Evan Goldberg, and their input uh, throughout the process of working on this? Because I, I know, obviously, they were involved with the writing uh, and producing, but then also, too, they um, Seth lends uh, some of his voice work on this film. So this, this sounds to me like it was literally uh, from beginning to end, just 24-7 uh, involvement uh, from that. From that yeah. Time. I don't know. I, 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 you know, this is the only thing I've worked on with them. So I can't, I can't speak to other things, but they're, they're such big names. They, they're doing so many projects. They're so yeah. busy. They could have just put their name on it and not cared, but, but they were so invested from start to finish and are really uh, uh, brilliant. 
like full of good ideas, have a really high bar for quality. Don't settle for things being not high quality. Seth and Evan, uh, Seth and Evan, uh, can't speak to them on, on every project. Um, but they were really invested in this one and they really cared and, and kind of rolled their sleeves up and got in there with us, uh, uh, from the start. Um, I think something I really responded to with them is we have a very similar taste. Like we care about the same thing as filmmakers. We, um, we both, I think are kind of character forward want things to feel relatable, want things to ultimately feel truthful and observed. Uh, so it's it was easy to write together and always create from that place. And Seth, is, Seth and Evan are, are huge fans of movies too. So it was also easy to like reference this thing that we liked or that and, and always be able to get to uh, a consensus uh, uh, really quickly. Um, but yeah, ten, if you have a chance to work with Seth Rogen and Evan Goldberg, uh, 10 out of 10, uh, recommend it. I know Seth follows me on Twitter, so I know he's a fan to some degree, but I've never I've never had the privilege of I haven't met him yet uh, personally. So <laughs> He's um, very nice. Oh, I'm sure. So I'm curious to know also um, in terms of the vision for this movie overall, you know, so many people, myself included, when this movie came out, we all said the same thing, which was. How come this has never been done before? It seems like such a no-brainer to depict these characters as actual teenage mutant ninja turtles. And so it felt like you had cracked something that nobody else had previously cracked. But at the same time, it also was extremely obvious. Can you just tell me about like your approach to the material and what you wanted to see out of a teenage mutant ninja turtles movie? Because while there had been movies and television shows, video games, and so on and so forth. So many people are now calling this, no, this is like the ideal version and the perfect medium for how to tell these characters' uh, story, uh, and which is a great compliment, yeah. you know? But I'm just curious to know, what did you want out of it as a fan? It, it was two things, and it, and it, it, it kind of, I think it kind of speaks to the, these two, the opposite ends of the spectrum of my of my taste as a filmmaker, but it's like, one, something really grounded and naturalistic and the chance to make them real teenagers, use teenage voices, like, was so exciting and, and just how, like, a naturalistic, hopefully universally relatable tale. I love coming-of-age stories. I just love things that feel that feel real. And then on the other side, the Ninja Turtles are weird. The design of the original toys is... uh uh uh, very extravagant and inventive and uh, sometimes uh, gross. Like it's playing into that uh, uh, aesthetic. There, there's so many interesting choices made in that, that I think really imprinted on me at a young age. Uh, so, so to have a chance to do something that is like equal parts grounded, but like visually um, uh, stylized and uh, funny uh, felt like flavors. I, I I feel like I feel like past versions of it haven't leaned into, haven't embraced the fact that it's like a weird, funny kind of offbeat thing. Uh, and I feel like 
past versions haven't been so down to earth about it. So I, I guess that's what felt like the new, uh, uh, the new thing to approach. Achieved. Achieved. That's Thank all you. I will say. Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. How did that happen? I don't know. I still don't know. I don't, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a dream. I think I ended up in an alternate timeline. Uh, none of this is, is real. Um, what I hear and, 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 you know, who knows is that they, they had seen Mitchell's versus the machines and they had liked that. So they, uh, and, and they liked Seth and, and his movies. So they, they took a meeting with us, even, even if they weren't necessarily, uh, uh, jumping at the chance to do a Ninja Turtles movie, uh, but they 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 took a meeting with us and we had a really good conversation. And I think they they responded to what we were going for. The only kind of like creative direction that that we gave them was maybe it feels like the music should sound like it's made by teenagers or like a garage rock band or something. I think, I think Trent offered that up and that was something that Seth and I had also talked about and we're like, great, you got it, <laughs> do it. Uh, and they, and they would just send us these tracks sometimes midnight, one in the morning, I would just get like a, a delivery of new music for the film. And I would just be screaming in my apartment. I was so excited and, and pumped up by what I was hearing. And, uh, and I'm really, really proud of the score and, and what they did with it. And it's equal parts electrifying and uh, really, really emotional and sweet. Like when Splinter the Rat is seeing the baby turtles for the first time, there's so many just subtle little beautiful, beautiful melodies in there. Um, and they were they were like the nicest people <laughs> in the world to work <laughs> with uh, and did an amazing job. So the character of Cynthia, played by Maya Rudolph, uh, receives assistance at the end of this movie with a tease of the Shredder character. Yeah, I think anybody who was watching this probably thought, okay, if there's going to be like a final scene or a post credit sequence, like there's got to be a tease of Shredder, right? And sure enough, there was. So uh, I guess the ultimate question everybody would like to know then is sequel in development. Is that happening? Yes. Yes, it is. Okay. It is. And, what, it and is, what's your is... level of involvement then? Uh, hi, hi, very, very highly involved. We're, we're figuring it out. I'm in New York right now. We're doing research, visiting locations. Uh, we, we just did it with the team of artists and, and we're getting inspired and putting ideas together. Um, really going to swing for the fences with, uh, with this film and with this character. And, uh, uh I'm going to be really excited to share it with the world in three years. So you're set to return to direct a sequel, basically. Yes. Yeah, I will be I will be directing uh, the sequel. And it's uh, I think that's all I can say. <laughs> totally fine. Totally fine. I do have a follow up question to that, though. Um, Please. When you when you're done with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the time comes to work on something next, where where do you want to go? Do you want to stay in animation? Do you want to move over to live action? If so, what kind of stories are you interested in telling? I want to. I think there's so much to be done with animation still. And I think mm -hmm. we, a lot of meaning and, and, and specifically in, in America, because other countries have been uh, doing really advanced things in animation for uh, uh, decades uh, uh, now. 
but I think there's there's more to be accomplished in the medium, and I'm really um, uh, excited to. My hope is to just kind of keep pushing the boundaries of how people perceive animation, and uh, really work to legitimize it as cinema in the eyes of uh, uh, people because it is. Um, yeah, and I think we can push it even further. Well, when you have people like Phil Lord, Chris Miller, and Guillermo del Toro pushing that message, I think I could say with Mitchell's and also now with Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Mutant Mayhem, you were on the front lines of that uh, fight, Jeff. And uh, I, I wish you all Thank the best you. of luck with that because I agree with you. I think animation deserves way more recognition. It deserves to be taken seriously uh, within this industry. And I think you guys and others out there are moving the needle. I can sense that animation is being revered and taken more seriously by cinema goers as something more than just for kids. It's it's nice when it can touch on all those demographics, but at the same time, specifically, like you said, here in America, there's a lot of work to be done in terms of rewiring audiences' brains as to like what animation can be. Yeah. And it's it's a it's a it's a game of inches, but it's like every time a movie gets through that's different and expands that definition, it's just a little bit uh, uh, we're, we're making ground and we're, and we're holding it. And, uh, and I hope, uh, soon these meaningful leaps forward will start inspiring more artists to feel comfortable, uh, uh pushing their own boundaries. Absolutely. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for the time here today. Really, really appreciate thank it. Thank you, Matthew. Absolutely. Hope you enjoy your time in New York as well. Will do. Have a great, good one. Thank you. You too. Take care. Bye. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to my interview with the writer and director for the film Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem, Jeff Rowe, here on the Next Best Picture podcast. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Mutant Mayhem is up for your consideration in all eligible categories at this year's Academy Awards, including Best Animated Feature. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support, which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you'll get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you all so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. I'm Hannah. And I'm Audrey. We are a sister filmmaking duo and co-hosts of Sleepover Cinema, our show where we analyze the films that created the collective unconscious of the girls, gays, and theys of the late 90s and early 2000s. Princess Diaries, The Cheetah Girls, Aquamarine, Cinderella, the one starring Brandy. We haven't stopped thinking about these movies since we first saw them, and we want you to rewatch them and review them with us. Are these movies as bad as critics would have us believe? Do we 
even care if they are? We are always unpacking that very question on Sleepover Cinema. Check out Sleepover Cinema wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcasts.com. See you soon.